The illusion of all people is that if there's a judgment before a righteous God, that God will accept them for something they did that countered all the bad they had done. Men ride on the false confidence of their own morality. It's a confidence that will fail them before the judgment seat of a holy God. Welcome everyone, this is the Ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen. It's been my honor to be the Bible teacher for this ministry for over 20 years. This program is brought to you by the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. If you want to learn more about our ministry, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our Bible fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 2, verses 5-11, through 11, we have a description of the matters of judgment God will bring upon every person one day. These matters will determine where that person placed their faith. What they believed in will be revealed by how they lived, and so God will determine their eternal destinies. Now here's a tip. Don't believe in yourself. Don't bet on yourself. What we did, what we thought, what motivated us, what we hid from view, what we didn't do that we knew we should have done, all of that, all of that is being recorded all of that is being received and put into the ledger. All of that will individually be read before him when the books are opened. Before God, he stands in judgment. Think about it. Everything you do in your life, in a sense, is rising up and being registered in the account of the divine judge. And one day you'll stand before him all by yourself, not in a crowd, not as part of a group identity. And you will answer according to the deeds you've done, and you'll be judged based upon those things. That's what's being said to the moralist. This man who thinks of himself as better than others and a good person, his goodness is enough to save him. And This is all really very sobering. This is being driven home to him. Paul is driving a dagger into the heart of his own moral pride and self-confidence and he's trying to bring it to an end so he can bring this man to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that said, particularly I want to look at verses 7 and 8. And we're going to look at a distinction that Paul is making in individuals who come before the judge. We'll see that there's two different individuals. or individuals that fall in two completely different categories. And the first thing I think we need to consider in order to understand the text as a whole is this. We must consider that there are two points of faith that all people live by. They either live with a projection upon one point of faith or they live with a projection upon another point of faith. Every person faces down their death and looks to what rests for them and waits for them beyond death with one of two faiths. With one of two faiths. Either they put their hopes and faith in themselves, the bottom line of their own moral acceptability or moral accomplishments, the bottom line that somehow there's something that they've done. No matter what they've piled up in the wrong, maybe there's just one thing or one good thing they've done that will tip the scale in their favor and they base their hope and their faith on their own selves and the moral accomplishments. That's one point and that's one reference of faith. And by the way, that is the essential faith of every religion other than the Christian religion. That is the essential note of every false religion. It is a belief that somehow, in some way, in some manner, you can adhere to some principle and some idea and some behavior that will, over some period of time, whether it's here on earth 
or whether it's in purgatory or whether it's through some level of progression or reincarnation, you will ultimately be able to achieve in yourself the salvation that's required. That's one point of faith. That's the most popular point of faith. The other point of faith is the individual whose hope and faith rest completely and totally in the righteousness that is provided for him and accomplished for him through Jesus Christ alone. One person hopes in himself, the other person puts all his hope in Jesus Christ. The life that the individual lives will then reflect where they place their faith and their hope. What Paul is talking about is God is going to judge the life that is born out of the faith that you have. The life you live will demonstrate where your faith was laid. And God will judge you, each individual, based upon the evidence of the life you lived, which will reveal the faith you held, what you believe. That's the whole point here. It will show up in the very deeds you do. God will test the deeds of people because the deeds will reveal where people had placed their hope and their faith. The individual will either turn in upon himself and grab some merit or worthiness in himself, or he'll turn to God to deliver him. And as we've said already, this faith in self, this is the position of the vast majority of the population of the world. It's a position that is taught and coached and engendered by every world religion but one. A basic confidence in something you are, or something you do, or something you can assert, or something you can rise to. It's faith in the individual and it's a faith that will gravely disappoint. So this is where we begin. This is how we begin to understand this passage, with these two ideas, that there are these two points of faith. These two points of faith, the second thing we see here very briefly, is they end in two totally different destinies. For one, the ending is eternal life. For the other, the ending is wrath and fury. For the one, it's glory and honor and peace, it says in our passage. That is a, a wholeness, a completeness. For the other, it is tribulation. It's trouble and anguish. Anguish. Forever and ever. There are the two destinies. There are two different faiths, two different destinies. And this is where I want us to spend our time now. These two points of faith produce two different outcomes of living. That's what we want to look at here. These two points of faith that will lead to two totally different destinies produce two different outcomes of living that God will judge and God will reveal. And so this is what we're going to consider in verses 7 and 8. So let me read to you verses 7 and 8 and again and keep your Bibles open again. Here's what it says here. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Here's two different ways of living that are demonstrations. So here, there's an outcome in the manner in which the person lives. There's an outcome in the motive of their living, the motive that drives their living. And then there's an outcome in the product of their lives. And you'll see this presented here. These two different faiths that will lead to two different destinies produce these different outcomes. The outcome in how or the manner of their life, the outcome in the motive of their life, the outcome in the product or what is produced from their lives. First, the manner of the way they live. The individual who places his faith in Christ alone for all of his righteousness and all of his hope, which is the context and the argument that we have here in this passage. The rhythm that begins to be introduced into their life is a rhythm of patient 
continuance. They're marked by an endurance because they've placed all of their hope in God. They're not swayed by temptations and disappointments and tribulations. They may stumble and they fall, but they get up and they move on with their hearts resting on God's promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. They endure, they continue. It's the, it's the idea of the perseverance of the saints. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 4.8. He gives his own personal testimony in the midst of the trials and difficulties that he's facing. <laughs> the contradictions that he's facing as he's seeking to bring the ministry and the gospel to people. He says in 2 Corinthians 4.8, We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We don't know what's going on, and this is difficult, but we're not in despair. We're persevering. We're continuing on. Our faith has been fully set upon Christ. We're not adding up all the circumstantial events of the day and saying this somehow is indicating and telling us where we're going and where we're leading because our lives and the feedback we're constantly getting in our lives is the barometer of our success and whether we're really moving forward and progressing. No. Our faith is set in Jesus Christ who is seated in heavenly places on our behalf. And he's representing us before the throne of God as righteous in him. And we put all our trust in his saving work. And regardless of our experience here and the difficulties, our trust is in him. And we're living for the day in which he'll come to receive us unto himself. And we endure. We patiently endure. That's the cadence or rhythm of their life. Then he says this now. This perseverance is fed by a certain kind of motivation that drives their life. It says here they're motivated because they seek Glory and honor and immortality. Do you see that there? They're seeking glory, honor, and immortality. Let's look at what these three things are. These are the motivating impulses in the person's life who has put his faith in Jesus Christ alone. By glory, what Paul is saying is that they're seeking God. They're wanting the weightiness of God's reality to come upon their lives. Their whole aim in life is to be with God and to see God at work in themselves. He is all of their hope and all of their anticipation and all of their longing and all of their desire. The great vision that they have of heaven is not some safe place where they escape pain and they find the fulfillment of all their pleasures. The great vision they have of heaven is it's the place where God is. It's where they can see God and they can rejoice in God and they can be in his presence. Heaven is a place where you get what you wanted in life. If you wanted God, if you wanted God, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get him because that's what heaven is. Hell is a place where you get what you wanted in life. If you wanted basically yourself, your own effort, your own trial, your own provision, your own boast in yourself, that's what you'll get. That's hell. But here is an individual who is motivated above everything else by the glory of God. They put all their hope in him. They seek all of his glory for their lives, not only now, but in the future. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. There are many passages and verses we could read to illustrate this. Here it says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, this is the description of the Christian life, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The life of the believer is one who is being drawn into a life of holiness and into a godly life and a Christ-like life because, not because they have an eye on their works, we all beholding in the mirror our good works and our good deeds and our effort to prove how worthy we are are being transformed. No, (laughs) 
It won't work that way. It goes in the opposite direction. We are gazing upon the object of our faith and all of our hope, which is Him. As we gaze upon Him by faith, trusting in Him alone and not in our own righteousness, the wonderful thing is we're conformed more and more into His righteousness. And we long to go to heaven where we will see His righteousness fully displayed before us. And oh, that will be glory for me. That's the idea. Here it also says, by honor. Here it says, they seek glory and they seek honor. It doesn't mean they're seeking the honor of people and the praise of people. And they're not seeking the honor they can give themselves so they can think better of themselves. You know, the real problem in your life, you just don't have a, a good enough self-esteem. You don't think well enough of yourself. And actually, no. The problem with the person who's wallowing in poor self-esteem or the person who's arrogant is both of them think too much of themselves. One thinks, I should be better than I am because I really, deep down inside, should be appearing and people should know me and see me as a wonderful person. And the other person is under the delusion that's how people see them, how they see themselves. But both of them are thinking too much of themselves. They're seeking the affirmation of others. No, this individual is seeking the honor that comes from God alone. Actually, Lord Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said that the desire and pursuit of honor from others or even wanting to please yourself is contrary to a life of faith. He said to the Pharisees, I don't know how you can believe and give honor one of another when you don't seek alone the honor that comes from God. This here is a desire to seek and know the honor that comes from God. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.